Welcome to Paychecks Thrive, a business podcast where you'll hear timely insights to help you navigate marketplace dynamics and propel your business forward. Here's your host, Gene Marks. Hey, everybody, and thanks for joining us again at the Paychecks Thrive Podcast. My name is Gene Marks. I appreciate you taking the time and listening and or watching. I am here with Catherine Davey, who is the head of social impact at LegalZoom. Catherine, first of all, I am a LegalZoom customer, so treat me well. I use the platform. Right. Yeah, we use the platform a lot in our business, and I uh, recommend it a lot. And uh, LegalZoom has been around for a while now. You know, this is like, you know, I remember when when the platform just first started and thinking it was a great idea. And it's just, it's one of those uh, services that have been, you know, it's just, it's really held its own. How long have you been with the company? I have been here six and a half years. No kidding. So why? Yeah. That's yeah. like, that's like six and a half more years than most people stay at a typical <laughs> job. <laughs> so there must be something to this job. Have you always been in the role of social impact or something else? No. In fact, I often joke, I've kind of, built various practices here since I started. Um, I started, I have a, a brand strategy and marketing background. So um, when I joined the company back in 2017, I, uh, I hadn't, uh, there wasn't a brand, a dedicated brand department. Right. So uh, started that department. And then most recently in the last year and a half, started the social impact impact practice, which I'm excited to talk to you Very about Very cool. Yeah. Let's, so wait, so when you say you, did you personally start it or, or was it started for you and then somebody threw you into that role, which typically happens at companies, you know? Yeah. Well, no, and that's the beauty of, of kind of our culture here is uh, I did start it, however, with the support of, of my bosses, our, our CEO, who's very passionate about this type of work. Um, and it's something I'd been pitching here a long time, because if you think about, like you said, we've been around for so many yeah. years. With a mission like democratizing law just lends itself so nicely and almost just really ha forces us to do something more than just sell products and how we can bring more equity and equality to small business owners everywhere, uh, not just in the products we sell, but with things like capital and, and grant programs. Oh, equity and equality. I thought social impact meant you were just organizing parties and giving out booze to yeah. people. And uh, oh, I got it now. Okay. <laughs> so, so, okay. So we want to talk about the survey that you guys recently do. I do want to talk about the, the fast break for small business. I promise you we're going to get to that, but let me at least just give you a couple minutes. Um, go ahead and tell the world about, you know, you know, what legal zoom is doing and what you're doing for social impact. We'd, I'd like to hear that. Yeah. Yeah, sure. So LegalZoom has been around uh, just over 20 years. Right. We started out um, very much known as like the documents company. I mean, back before we existed in 2001, you had to go down to a courthouse and, and drive there and get and get documents or work with an attorney and go to the office. And we thought, you know, it's just it shouldn't be that hard. So we had uh, easy downloaded doc downloadable documents, uh, wills and contracts and everything else. And over the years, we've evolved so much more to where now you can actually complete all your legal paperwork for your small business or your will or your intellectual property. We take care of everything with automated technology. We have customer care and support. Um, and in the last almost 10 years now, we have attorneys all over the country uh, who uh, are there to support. So you actually can work with an attorney for a fraction of the cost that it would cost you if you were to hire uh, you know, a, an attorney in your community. Mm. We've also added tax practices um, and have many business partners and have made some acquisitions re recently to really round out all of that small businesses need because it's one thing, great, you got your LLC, you got your paperwork, but now what? There's so many things to stay compliant. 
uh, there's questions you're going to have. So we have experts and products to help you along along your journey. So we've come a long way in the, in no the last doubt, 20 years. No doubt. And the social impact side of this that you just started yeah. up, tell me what activities you guys are involved in. Yeah. So we uh, it's really kind of divided into a couple of things, partnerships and programs. And then on the internal side, all of our employee engagement and um, and uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion. So you joke about the parties, but we do have a lot of um, internal events that are around social impact. <laughs> um, so we have two nonprofit partnerships, one with Axion Opportunity Fund, which is a, a CDFI bank, yep. um, and then another one with Defy Ventures, who helps entrepreneurs who are uh, in prison, who are incarcerated. Um, and their goal is to reduce the rate of recidivism. And so we provide training and products um, to them so they, they are uh, set up for success upon, upon release. Um, and then, of course, we have our partnership with the NBA and WNBA, and that's all around our grant program, which is a, a three-year deal. And twice a year, we have grant cycles. Uh, we have $10,000 grants to uh, small business owners. Anyone can apply. Um, we do focus on underrepresented communities, so women, people of color, immigrants, um, because we know that those those barriers exist, and it's harder for many people in those communities to get access to capital and support services sure. for their small business. Uh, what does the partnership with the NBA and the WNBA have to do with that? I mean, are you tapping into local communities of the teams? Is that what the is that what drives it? Yeah, it's a great question. So uh, when we st- when we were thinking about this about a year and a half ago, when we were looking at the sports leagues and you, sports partnerships are such a great way to get visibility. Yeah. And at, at the time, um, it was when George Floyd was murdered and we loved the way the NBA and the WNBA responded to that. And we thought that they were best in class when you look at all the big sports leagues. So we reached out to them and it was pretty cool, actually, because you know we're a pretty small company. We're oh, just over 1,200 people. And we pitched this with a social impact angle. That was the root and that was the foundation of this program. And to my surprise, they hadn't really done anything like that before. Mm-hmm. They have, NBA does a ton of philanthropic work, um, but they, a lot of their sports partners, uh, their corporate partners, don't, they don't do something that's rooted in social impact. So we're the first for them and it's been really fun. Um, and so the grant program, we call it Fast Break for Small Business. Um, it just gets more visibility um, and more people aware of it so they, they can apply. And our nonprofit partner, Axion Opportunity Fund, uh, fulfills the grants. So it's a great way to extend our partnership. It drives business to Axion Opportunity Fund, which means it gets more loans into the hands of underrepresented communities who need it the most. So it's called Fast Break for Small Business. So this is the NBA and WNBA partnership that you guys have. Um, I guess if you Google it, you can find it. Who can apply for this. And these are grants that you're giving out. Um, and who's eligible for these grants as well. I'd like to learn a little bit more about that. Sure. Um, it's been open to everybody. However, we've been encouraging, um, people who are either people of color, women or immigrants. And, and we do two cycles a year and we've kind of shifted who we focus on for that grant cycle. So at the start of the WNBA season, um, in May of this year, we focused on women in the LGBTQ community, given that both of those groups uh, have, uh, there's a lot of inequality when it comes to access to capital. Which we're going to get to in a minute. Keep going. <laughs> the WNBA season, it just made sense uh, given the, the audience. And, and we wanted to celebrate women in the LGBT community as well. And so we've committed $6 million in grants and free products. Hmm. So we, we give away product as well. 
Um, and we do two cycles, two cycles a year. And the next one will be coming up in uh, February of 2023. So um, in February 2023, I mean, if I'm a woman, small business owner need not apply, will it just be focused on maybe people of color or can everybody still apply for the next one? Yeah, for the next one, we're going to focus on black owned businesses. Black owned, okay. Yes. And, and that's around Black History Month. Um, and so we are going to focus on focus on that only. So we're really excited. And it's also a focus of the NBA. They do a lot around Black History Month. So we're excited to do this in partnership with them. Okay, that's great. That, it's a great program. And, and obviously, you know, we'll, we'll do our best to promote it on this side. And, and obviously, if you're a black owned business owner, and you're watching or listening to this podcast, uh, keep your eyes open on February. These are these are grants that are becoming available, which is free money really for, you know, and free legal services, right? From free, free services from legal zoom. So that does sound great. Okay. Let's pivot back to the women, right? So you yes. did, um, you know, a survey it's called women and the boss survey. It came out, you know, recently, uh, it was really the end of August. So first of all, give me, um, give me some of your takeaways from that survey. And then I've got some data from that I picked out of the survey that I wanted to ask you about, but just, you know, your general, I mean, obviously you were, this was, this was your baby. So what was your sort of takeaway from the survey about women in, you know, small business and entrepreneurs? Yeah. So, so this survey, we really wanted to get at what are women doing in the workplace and why are they leaving their jobs and what is sort of the sentiment around why they decided to start their own business. So there's some macro trends that are happening everywhere yeah, sure. with everybody. Um, but you know, you go back to the Sheryl Sandberg days and it was, you know, climb the corporate ladder and be, you know, be the boss, the boss woman in, in your company. Um, and there's been a major shift in that over the over the last, I'd say, five years where that's not as important to women. And our findings found that um, and they really want to be their own boss and start their own start their own thing. And that's happening everywhere, not just with women, but particularly uh, um, amongst women. And out of the thousand people that we surveyed, um, 73% of them started their own companies in the last year. And many of them started at, at, as side gigs while they had their corporate jobs, but had the goal in mind to try to um, make that a full-time gig as they, as they nurtured and grew their business. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. I mean, that, that is a huge number of people. So you serve like a thousand you know, women and 73% of them started you know, businesses in the last three years. Um, I'm just going to, you know, what is your take on, on women entrepreneurs now in 2022? Is it, you know, it, to me, it seems like so much of a better environment, but they still face a lot of challenges. Financing is one of a big one that was mentioned in the survey, but I'm, I'm curious what your thoughts are on female entrepreneurship nowadays. Yeah, I, I have a lot of yeah. thoughts, but if, if you go back and look you know, and think about, you know, to put it in context, in 1988, if you were a woman, you could not, you could not get a loan without the signature of it's a man. It's unbelievable. So, that's 1988. It's un and that's, it wasn't that long ago, was crazy. it? Crazy. That's yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. Okay. And in, in the early 70s, women owned about 400,000 small businesses nationwide. Today, it's about 13 million. Wow. So a lot of growth. So that's something to celebrate and be happy about. Right. However, a lot of the a lot of the misogyny, a lot of the harassment, all of that still exists. Um, and what we've seen over the last, you know, since the pandemic start is that more women businesses shut than men. Um, and, and the access to capital is still a huge, huge problem. Mm. Generally speaking, women only make up about, they get about 4% of, of capital. Right. Um, to men, which is just such a tiny number, and it doesn't need to be that hard. And it's another reason why we have Opportunity Fund as, as one of our partners, because 
they make sure that women get the loans that they need right. um, and that there's no there's there's n- none of the the biases that exist at, at many traditional Thanks. I got I, I got I to jump into that. So you, you, I said I was. I pulled out some data from here. You, you nailed it exactly. It, your survey said that seventy one percent of women believe that society views women business leaders more positively today than they did just two years ago, and yet only four percent four percent of women get access to small business funding from traditional financial institutions. You know, banks. Obviously, there are other sources of funding. I. I can I can I ask you to dig a little deeper on that? Like, why do, that doesn't make sense to me? I mean, you just said that that we went from four hundred thousand female owned businesses thirty years ago to thirteen million now. Um, you know, there, there are, women are so much more represented in the workplace. There's countless stories of successful female entrepreneurs and business owners and senior managers, and yet I hear that that banks are only lending to four percent, or at least four percent of the women in the survey said that they can get traditional funding from banks. So first of all, I know it's your survey, so I can't ask you whether you believe the number or not. I don't believe the number. I, I find it hard to believe. So yeah, give me your thoughts on that. Yeah. Well, that number, actually, the 4% number is is a, a much larger study that was done some time ago. Okay. And, and, and and that's for small businesses. And you, you may or may not believe this, but if you look at, if you go into the venture capital world, that number is actually much, much smaller. Yeah. Yeah. If, if I if I walk into a bank and ask for a loan, and there's a ma- a man sitting next to me ask for the same loan, there's a good chance that, and we're in the same situation, uh, there's a good chance that he may get that loan and I, and I may not. Um, there are some factors that aren't dissimilar to just women in the workplace in general. You hear a lot about women to go for that promotion; they think they need to have more experience mm-hmm. or be more prepared or have accomplished more. Where men are more likely to go with it because they have more confidence because they've been built to have right. more confidence. Right. They've been treated, you know, just they've been uh, treated better than women in the workplace right. and oftentimes go into banks or, or do not go into banks because they think they have to have the business fully thought out um, and have to have it have it perfect. Whereas whereas many men come in without even having a concept and apply for a loan and, and get a loan, um, you know, and if they do get a loan, um, many women pay pay higher interest rates hmm. uh, than men. Um, and these are just the systemic biases that have existed for a long time. Mm-hmm. So you know, going back to the 1988 comment, I mean, that's we've made a lot of progress um, and, and women are certainly make up a huge percent of, of small business owners. There's a lot of success and things to celebrate there. But it takes a long time for those kind of biases um, to go away. And, and I think it's on banks. I think it's on lenders to really address this just as you would in your own internal culture, like unconscious bias training, like thinking, thinking about that for your external customer sure. as well. Doesn't, doesn't risk have something to do with it as well, Catherine? I mean, you know, with, with, you know, banks are risk averse, venture capitalists obviously are going to invest, you know, in, in, you know, the least risky they can get for the most return. That's what their goal is. You know, your survey said that 15% of women, 15%, um, define a successful career as reaching the executive level in a corporate setting, you know? So, that means 85% of women don't really define a successful career in that way. And, mm-hmm. you know, so if you're an investor, a venture capitalist or a banker, right, you know, do you, do you think it's more risky investing in a woman run business when, you know, only 15% of women really want to, you know, make their career getting to that high corporate 
level. Do you know what I'm saying? Whereas, you know, cause, cause women face all these other challenges at home. There's all the other things that women have to deal with. Um, don't you think that men are just, are, do you think they're viewed as less risky to invest in or to loan money? It's a hard question, but I'm just, I'm curious to hear yeah. what your thoughts are. So I would say, yes, I think they're viewed as less risky, but not because they are set up, they are going to be more successful or will be more successful than, than women. And, and that 15% number was, was came from people who women entrepreneurs who they do not have any interest of going into a corporate setting. That's just not the job for Mm -hmm. them. Hence them wanting to start their own business and be their own boss Mm -hmm. um, where, you know, that has nothing to do with success. I think they would want to be successful at that. And that's really kind of building off a trend that we're seeing in, and not just, not just with women, but with men, people don't see corporate America and the big companies as their career paths as much as they used to. There's so many different ways to make money now. Um, and there's a big shift, particularly around millennials and, and Gen Z, just pausing for and saying, well, maybe I can start something of, of my own. Um, there's other ways to get income through things like TikTok and other platforms sure. and, and YouTube. Um, so they're more open uh, to those and, and are willing to, to, to explore those paths before. Whereas you know, people in my generation and, and older just didn't have those options when they were younger. Yeah, they didn't. You know, you didn't cover this only because you're you're in you're in the technology world in the tech space. I'm I'm curious what your thoughts are as well on on women in the in the technology, you know, in, on the technology side as well. It's a bro culture that you find, you know, in Silicon Valley. Um, it's tough to be a woman in that space. Then again, there's an argument to be made that. You know, you you know, are women wired differently? You know, is the reason why there aren't more women in tech because, you know, they're they're women are more nurturing, or and people make that you know you know make that argument. Um, you're in technology, so you know this is. I'm curious to hear your thoughts on that. Do you think it is a you know a, a nature versus nurture issue with women in technology, or do you think that that just has to be something that just ultimately you know has to change because women there is more of a role for women in tech. Yeah, well, I absolutely. I, I think you're talking about engineering specifically. Yeah. Well, so, I'm gonna I'm gonna give yeah. you an example. I just I only because I have to jump in there. So my my son graduated from university as a mechanical engineer, and like Catherine, there were like in his class of like 200, there was literally like 10 women. You know, I mean, yeah. crazy. Meanwhile, meanwhile, my daughter just graduated from vet school, um, just this past year. In her class of 150, there were like 10 guys. You know, it's it's science, but it's like a different, you know what I mean? I'm curious, like what yeah. your thoughts are, you know, on that is, is it, do you feel that women are discouraged from going into practices like engineering because of the biases that have always existed? Or do you think it's a conscious choice? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, gosh, getting into wiring and I'm not a, <laughs> I'm not a psychologist. So <laughs> Neither I, am I, I'm, I'm just curious. You my, my unprofessional opinion on that, but I, look, I believe anyone can do anything. And I think people are drawn to things um, in, in groups, you certainly see trends and stereotypes, but I think um, uh, I, I hate to 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 make assumptions beca- on those on those stereotypes right. because there are so many brilliant women engineers out there, sure. um, and they they either choose not to go down this path because it is such a a bro culture as you put yeah. it, um, um, or. Uh, they do. And we're starting to see that to see that more and more. And I think when I think it's on companies to to set goals for themselves when it comes to hiring and make sure for engineering specifically, you have a representative uh, culture because it'll only make the products products better. 
Um, we have a, a group, a, an employee resource group here at LegalZoom called Women in Tech, and they're focused on that. And they work with our HR team and, and work with us to to recruit a more diverse engineering uh, team. Um, and we've we've hit our goals this, that this year, and we're very very proud of that. But you know, just like you know, you could pick any industry, uh, and you, you probably see differences in men and women. Sure. I think a lot of this is kind of what people were conditioned to to believe growing up. And sure, there's probably some piece of it that's, you know, just biological or physiological where you're drawn to something more. Um, but it's really hard, hard to say. And I think the important thing to, is just to recognize that, you know, is to throw that all away and just say and, and really encourage people to dig deep into what they want to do, because I think it has to start there. If you're a, a, a young girl and you're wanting to get involved in engineering, that young girl may have been discouraged before, but now they're not. And you have awesome organizations like Girls Who Code and, and that are just bringing more and more women into this field uh, who are flourishing. So I'll be curious to see, you know, technology being a relatively new industry in, in this in this in this world. Right. You know, years from now, would, will people even be having this conversation? Yeah, I, I, I'm 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 optimistic that we're not going to be having this conversation. I really do think if these things take time, you know, it's it, it's not something that just happens overnight. It is. Um, it just, it just takes time. Yeah. It's funny. I, I, I was speaking to, uh, a national association of funeral directors, um, down in Florida, like a couple of months ago. And, um, I killed in that presentation, by the way, just, it's a joke. Uh, but anyway, the, uh, <laughs> there, uh, you know, and, you know, I sit around, I listen to other, you know, what's going on in that industry and, uh, huge growth in female funeral directors. Like it is one of the fastest growing occupations for women, um, and again, it gets back to that nurturing thing and all that, but again, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to generalize, but it's just interesting yeah. to see what industries attract women more, which, which, which gets me to my next question is it, just this, you know, where do you see, you know, women entrepreneurs, you know, succeeding in the future? I mean, I think they're going to have all sorts of choices, but do you see any particular, you know, industries that you got from your, the survey that you did or the entrepreneurs that you talk to, female entrepreneurs, that they're gravitating more to certain types of businesses? Yeah, it's a great question. We didn't segment by by industry. Um, however, I know from our from our customer base and customer base and working with um, Opportunity Fund, um, you know, generally speaking, I think women that own more storefront yep. and and um, we have a lot of of uh, customers who are who are who are bakers, who run services and consulting. Um, but that's just really anecdotal. We'd have to segment se segment it all out. But I mean, first, I think women are doing awesome right now. Um, again, if you look back at the, the statistics over the years and women contribute $1.9 trillion of revenue to the U.S. economy every year. Um, and they're also tend to be more optimistic than men, which which helps um, in, the, in, in their growth. Um, I think once we provide equal opportunity, and that's really what this comes down to, is providing opportunity. I mean, look at any industry or anything like this. Look at sports. Yep. 50 years ago, look at women in sports. Look at it today. You have leagues like the WNBA. You have so many professional sports and, and women's soccer and all these great things getting getting um, attention. And I think so will be it for, for small business owners as well. Um, and so I, I am incredibly optimistic about the future. And I think be it retail, be it consulting, be it services or professional services, I think in every industry, 
um, we'll see more and more growth and more and more success there. But it's really the most important thing is providing that opportunity and not just the things. It's not just the loan or it's not just the legal services. It's the legal services, the loan, and also people around you and who are there to support you and give you advice along the way. We know that uh, communities of color, women, immigrants oftentimes don't have that as much as as men do. Right. And so that's a huge um, that's a huge uh, proponent for growth is having that that network that you can tap into. Catherine Davey is the head of social impact at LegalZoom. Catherine, what's coming up next? So you said in February is the fast break for small business for black owned businesses. Is there any other things that you're working on that we can expect to see in 2023? Yeah, we're doing a couple of great things. Um, with Axion Opportunity Fund, uh, we're just about to launch some, some new research, which I'd love to come back and talk yes, to you please. about uh, around black owned businesses mm. specifically. Um, and then with Defy Ventures, our other nonprofit partner, we are funding the cohort in the women's prison uh, up in uh, the Central California Women's Facility, which is in Chowchilla, California. We are funding that cohort. And so they'll be graduating early next year. And so we'll have a lot of great, great stories coming from that. Um, and then we're also funding their entrepreneur pathways program, which is national. So post-release, mm -hmm. making sure they get the coaching and resources that, uh, that they need to continue growing, growing their business post-release. So, so important. I, I just say so important, um, for, you know, prisoners coming out, ex-convicts, um, you know, it, we are, we have such a tight labor market. It is such a resource for potential entrepreneurs and employees for existing small businesses that the more we can learn about that, you know, about that population, the more you can help that population, um, the entire small business community, you know, um, will, will, will benefit from, um, and the black, black owned businesses also, I'm also fascinated. I mean, I, I live in Philly and in Philadelphia, I mean, like more than half our population is black and, and, and yet there, it's still white owned businesses dominate this city. And that's a similar issue to the women. That's like, just cause of history and it's going to take some time to change, but, what more can be done to provide the opportunities for, for black entrepreneurs to do their thing? I'm seeing it all over the place. They're, they're getting, you know, way better than it was years ago, but still a long ways to go. Hey, Kath, thank you so much. Yeah, we will definitely have you back. Next survey that comes out will be fun to talk about. And uh, I just love hearing your insights on this stuff. I think our audience does as well. So thank you very much for joining. Thank you so much. Do you have a topic or a guest that you would like to hear on Thrive? Please let us know. Visit payx.me forward slash Thrive Topics and send us your ideas or matters of interest. Also, if your business is looking to simplify your HR, payroll, benefits, or insurance services, see how Paychex can help. Visit the resource hub at paychex.com forward slash works. That's W-O-R-X. Paychex can help manage those complexities while you focus on all the ways you want your business to thrive. I'm your host, Gene Marks, and thanks for joining us. Till next time, take care. This podcast is property of Paychex Incorporated 2022, all rights reserved.